Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's Wednesday, it's Tuesday, sorry, February the 26th, 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. And speaking of friends, I have my good girlfriend, Miss Paula B., who's back again this week to join me. I'm, I'm enjoying having her on the show. Makes time go by a lot more fun and engaging. I like having somebody here to talk to and no, no, no other better person than my girl. Paula B. So, Paula B., welcome back to the show, sweetheart. How are you? I'm doing well. I am doing well. You're doing That's good? That's a great intro. I love it. You love it? I am. <laughs> I'm doing good. I um, It was a good day. I went to the OBGYN with my daughter, the youngest. And yeah, because you're going to be a grandma. And, Yes, it's called a GG, not a grandma. What? Okay, so why do people, why do people not want grandma? It's either a grandma or, like you said, what is it, GG? What's wrong with grandma? Yes. Well, I mean, my mom is a grandma. You know what I mean? That's what she. She don't is. mind I, that. You know, gr- no, I don't mind. No, 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 my mom's eighty. She doesn't mind. But the oh, thing okay. of it is, like, she wanted to be called Grammy. She didn't want to be called grandma. So most okay. all her grandkids call her Grammy except for Sierra, the one that's pregnant now. She calls her Grandma. But the thing of it is is that because grand, uh, grandmothers are so much younger today, you know right. what I mean? So they don't want to be called Nana or Grandma or Granny. Definitely not going to call me Granny. Um, and because I'm so young and vibrant right. and, right. You, you know, when I go out with my grandma, huh? It's a, yeah, very youthful you are. Mm-hmm. Very youthful. That's a great word. So when I go out with my oldest daughter, she has five kids. So when I go out with them, everybody thinks that her kids are my kids. So there's no way you could be calling me Nana or Grandma <laughs> and they think that those are my kids. I'm like, right. no, these are my daughter's kids. So that's why now because my middle grandkid could not call me Nana because I didn't even want to be called Nana because I had a Nana. Um, he uh, started calling me Nina, so I, I loved that better. So I made everybody change their name, change my name to Nina. So they call me Nina. So Sierra's baby's gonna call me Gigi. So I'm good. So do you think it's gonna be an issue for me because we're talking about um, adopting up to age three? So I'm older, what, uh-huh. 40, be 48 this year. Do you think they're gonna be like, is this your grandchild? I bet you they, because sometimes we we've gone out. Me and my fiance, and they've asked like on Father's Day. I'll never forget. We went to Chile, <laughs> and the guy said, "Happy Father's Day." Looked at both of us and told me, "Happy Father's Day." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> you were so, so mortified. You I was. You know what? That he got he got it started. He got that insecurity started. And I was like, "Oh my God, is that what people see when they look at?" It? And then today oh we went God. to the. Um, I had hand surgery today. 
Um, and it could have been my I mind when the, when the anesthesiologist came in and looked at us. I was like, because I know on the paper, you know, they have to put who's going to be there with you. And I put um, my partner's name, and then I put fiance, I believe, or something like that. Uh, I know they were like, what the world? <laughs> Hey, what in the world cradles is not you everybody not everybody my age can pull somebody half their age, so hey. That says something hey, a that, good that's something. what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, well exactly. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you are <laughs> Exactly. I'm gonna leave that alone. Yes. Oh Lord. Okay, well you know what we have a good show for you. Um of course you're gonna be here the whole segment, which I love. For the whole show, um, we're going to talk a little bit later on in our second half. We're going to talk to Mr. John Gray, who's going to talk about stop spot cleaning our lives. Don't just clean your life, restore it, um, which, again, goes with our whole theme of living our best lives. So he's going to talk to us about how to get rid of those things, those spots and things that, that hold us back from achieving our vision and our goals. So he's going to be back on starting at 730. But um, I want to get started with something a little bit fun, something I read. Um, and you know, you and I were actually were talking about it just a few minutes ago, but, um, this, in this segment, which I'm going to call, I'm going to implement every now and then, oh no, they didn't. So this is about a story that happened at Home Depot in Kansas. I'm, I hope you haven't heard about it, but police responded to a bomb threat when a customer alerted the employees of the store that a man was inside the bathroom and said that there was a bomb in the building. Police located the man who was still in the store shopping around. And the the guy told the police that he told the other guests to leave the restroom because he was fixing to blow it up, but but had no intention of causing panic in the store. Home Depot said they're not pressing charges because they actually understood what the man meant by saying he was fixing to blow it up and that the people should leave. So, of course, he was talking about going to number two, use the bathroom in the store. That's a, something that we say, we're going to blow this bathroom up. And everybody ran out thinking that he was talking about there was a bomb in the building. So my question to you is, do you, are you afraid to go to the bathroom, number two, in public places? I am not. As long as it's clean, and I go through a cleaning ritual, I'll make sure the bathroom is really clean. But do, do, do you have an issue with going to the bathroom in, per, in, private, I mean, in public places? Yes, I do. I, I absolutely, absolutely do. Like, I have a girlfriend that just, she got a boo-boo, she got a boo-boo, she's just going to do it. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, yeah. I, I can't. I can't do it because sometimes you got to get past the smell before you, especially, in, but, you know, in a women's bathroom, believe it or not, that is the most filthiest place ever. Really? Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Unfriggin' believable. Women are, I, I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? It's like they don't flush the toilet, but well, you looking forward. You know how do you do that? So I definitely <laughs> will not go to the bathroom like boo boo unless I it, like I have to. But I have to line the toilet so bad. You by the time yeah, I'm I not lining, you can't even see the toilet. <laughs> yeah, huh? and you know I, you and I, I you and my friend who works with you, they they have to go home. I was like, well, you can't even use it at your job. He's like, nope. I got to go home. I got to tell my supervisor, I'll be right back. He said, I have to go home. I'm like, what in now, the world? I, now, I, I boo-boo at work. This is so disgusting. Mm-hmm. I boo-boo at work, but I boo-boo in flesh. Some of these girls, when they're in the bathroom at work, get on the phone, you boo-booing like you're at home. You know what I mean? It's like a whole stalemate. Girl, if you don't flush that toilet, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You was not at home letting everything marinate. That's too much. Right, 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 right. <laughs> 
they have this stuff called poopery, which I buy, and I keep in my apron yeah. at the salon. So when I go in there, I spray, and then because you know it's kind of in close proximity, right to the people. It's not like our bathroom was in the back of the building or anything. We're right there, so I have the you know. Sometimes I try to hold it. Sometimes I go to the grocery store across the street if I can. But if I can't, then you know. It is. Well, I can always tell when it's time for you to go. You know that, don't you? Because you get to run it. So I already know <laughs> when it's time for you to do it. <laughs> yeah. You you got that look while I'm underneath the dryer. I'm like, I know what he's about to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everybody probably knows when I'm in there. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the whole running the water thing does not work. That's a dead giveaway that you're in there doing. Yeah, it does. Right. Yeah. That That does not work at all. But, yeah. you know, I just think that if you do have to go to the bathroom, just be cognizant, especially the women's bathroom, for mm-hmm. all women that are listening. You know, if you at work, make sure you flush the toilet. Make sure that you clean up behind yourself because somebody wants to go, especially if you got to go to the bathroom really bad, you open mm-hmm. up the stall and it's a mess in there. And you know that you made that oh, mess. Yeah. That's just yeah, that's, Now, that's trifling. Yeah. That's trifling. Yeah, but that okay, happens so, all the time. You, you'll be amazed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so the first thing you want to talk about, I have a couple of things, but let's get started. I know we were talking about the R. Kelly situation, which is crazy. Yes. I, I didn't know. I actually really? didn't even know that he was in that much of a financial situation. But um, that was what was shocking, number one. And then shocking that he, he today I was showed that, um, shown that he is pleading not guilty, that his lawyer actually yes. said that. Um, he doesn't see where they, he was presented. What did he say? He said, um, our position at this point is that Mr. Kelly hasn't done anything wrong. No one has shown us anything or any evidence that he has done anything wrong. And I was like, they got the videos and all that. But, you know, you know, what, how, what do you want to talk about with this situation? Okay, so this is what I, I hope nobody gets mad at me. But Thank I'm you. not... I, I, right, I'm not saying condoning what R. What R. Kelly did. I'm absolutely not doing that. But R. Uh-huh. Kelly has been doing this for many, 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 many. years. Yeah, exactly. many years. You know, and everybody talked about it. You know, swept it underneath the rug. Everybody, was, I'm not gonna say talked about. It, I'm gonna say they whispered about it. Now, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, out of the blue, is this big ordeal. But this mm-hmm. is something this man has been doing a lot. Jerry Lee Lewis did it. was so many musicians way back in the day that loved young women. So right. my thing is, this is my thing. If you know as a parent, as a parent, that R. Kelly loves young women, your daughter's going to come home and be like, oh, my God, Mom, guess who I just met? R. Kelly. Oh, Really? Yeah, and he said that I can, you know, he can help me with my music career. Oh, he did. Exactly. If I go over to his house, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you don't even go with your kids. Then some of these girls don't even look like they're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. In the movement that they're doing, huh? I said some in the water. Right, some in the water, absolutely. So, my deal of it is again I'm not condoning what R. Kelly did, but where are the parents? How do you yeah. how do you the first time my daughter came home and told me I met R. Kelly and he wanted me and I already know your reputation because your reputation precedes you, you're not going mm-hmm. over there. So mm-hmm. how did so many of these young girls get there? 
Mm-hmm. Where were you when you were not watching your kid, and why didn't you go find out where they were going? Mm-hmm. I think and then exactly girls are so slick. Said. Yeah, and girls are so slick. They'll be like, oh, I'm going to my girlfriend's house, da 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 Because Damn. for me, I, I was start now, I'm going to be transparent, I was starstruck. I was a big Parliament Funkadelic fan. I was mm-hmm. young. I probably was 15 years old, had a shape on me. I remember I had this black jumpsuit on. My boobs was out, looking good. Find my way in the back of the stage, flirting with the guy on, on the stage from the band, me, knowing that I had to go home because my parents was coming to pick me up, but I'm saying that I'm 18 years old. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Get a guy to my number. Never thought he was going to call, right? Mm-hmm. Get home. I thought I was telling my friends, yeah, I met the guy in the band, and I'm all excited about it, you know what I mean? My phone rings like about 12 o'clock, so now I'm panic-stricken because my parents answered the phone, my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom and I just talked about it. The guy says, this is Ray Parliament, um, baby calling from the Funkadelics. I'm about to send a mothership over to pick up Paula. My mother mm-hmm. said, you're not sending no mother anything over there to pick up my daughter. <laughs> I can see her saying <laughs> that. Yes, and she's screaming my name down there. Some guy's on the phone talking about he's raper. You better pick up this phone. I pick up the phone, embarrassed as hell. Yeah. You know, because now I'm busted because I'm saying I'm a certain age. My mother yells at the phone. I'm like, um, I really can't talk to you right now. Click them on the uh-huh. phone. I just hang up. You know what I mean? And then, of course, yeah. my parents give me a big lecture that you can't mm-hmm. be starstruck like that, Paula, da 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 My dad was furious with me. But I, you see how those things happen, but it's a good thing I had the type of parents that I did because what if I decided to make up a lie and said I'm going over to my girlfriend's house to end up with the dude? Then I find exactly. myself in trouble. Right, right, right. Um, I remember I was watching Iyanla Van Vant, and like you were saying, where were the parents? I think it is, like you said, like, you know, the the daughter is on the come up. She's you know, has dreams of doing great things and then comes home saying she met R. Kelly. He wants to see me because he can help me. Blah, 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 blah. And the mom probably said, oh, that's a blessing. You know, go ahead and go. Iyanla Van Zant was comparing the same thing to like when your son says that, you know, um, it's his opportunity to go into to the NFL or draft it into um, the NBA. And they get excited. They don't, they don't consider any type of ramifications or any type of situations that may come up, it's the same type things. Parents are looking at, you know, what they can reap from the situation instead of what really could exactly. happen. Yeah. Exactly. So, and yeah. then my other guess... thing of it is, is that how did all these young girls know all these tricks? Because one of the girls, I was learning stuff from her from what she was doing on that video. How do you know? Oh. Um, well, you know what? I was like, damn. Huh? One of the didn't didn't he say didn't on the um what was it the the what was the name of that docu series I, I forgot it whatever oh, that, it was. Oh, a lifetime mm-hmm. yeah they were saying that he would have girls that would be there that were more experienced or that he hired to come and show and come and coach them on what to do and how to do it especially when they involve like other people like friends and stuff um. If you didn't know it then, you had on-the-job training, pretty much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, his wife, his wife, um, I mean, she's making Andrea. she's making money. Well, yeah, she's making money, money hand over fist. You know what I mean? And, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I know all this time, now all of a sudden you're appalled about everything, but you knew what was going on behind the scenes the whole time. Now all yeah. of a sudden you're so disgusted about everything. If you don't get out of here and have several seats, I, I, I can't stand it. <clears throat> you know, and, and the parents, it just makes me, it just, the parents just make me sick too because you knew what was going on the whole time. Now all of a sudden he's the worst thing since sliced bread, but you guys have all reaped the benefits from something from R. Kelly. Right, exactly. There's something. Uh, um, I'm interested to see exactly what happens with the situation. A lot of people said they think it's going to end up being just like how um, O.J. Simpson was, um, that he's going to probably be acquitted of it. Yeah. Right, they're just trying to destroy him, just like they did Michael Jackson. At the end, you, you served oh, yeah. your purpose. Mm-hmm. Now we're just going to destroy you. That that that's mm-hmm. you know the epitome of his demise is women, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing I have to say for a lot of men. That's always the epitome of their demise is mm-hmm. a woman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because you 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 just hunger for it. You see what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. strive for to be with women. You know, and you can't get enough of it. But the, the, my thing of it is, is that I think R. Kelly is a genius when it comes to music. I can't take that away from him. I, do I still love his music? Absolutely. Am I going to stop listening to it? No, I'm not. Because I can pull it up anytime I want to and listen to R. Kelly's song. We all right, do things. You'd be mm-hmm. surprised that, well, I know a lot, um, Lady Gaga, Jennifer Hudson, um, I think it was Celine Dion, have all pulled their music from like Spotify and other streaming services where they had duets or whether he wrote a song for them. I'm like, Really? But why? But that's that's why I have my problem. Why all of a sudden are you guys doing all of that? And and in the background, y'all knew R. Kelly was doing this the whole time, and y'all didn't say nothing about it. You let mm-hmm. him write the songs. You know he was screwing young girls. Mm-hmm. Why you was that's in that a, studio? They're, they're, they're covering themselves. Some young now. girl in there. They're covering themselves Man, because it wasn't it, it wasn't publicly discussed. It wasn't an issue then. So it was like as long as you don't say anything, I won't say anything. But now that somebody could possibly interview them and ask them, you know, why did you do a song with or why are you still reaping the benefits from or whatever. Now they want to make sure they cover themselves and say, well, I, I, I pulled that from the streaming services or whatever, because I'm sure. But if you were like, asked me that. If you're in the industry, I'll... you've heard the rumors. You had to have heard the rumors. Right. If you're in the apartment. Exactly. Yeah. But if you, if somebody asked me if I was a Jennifer Hudson, if I could sing it, R. Kelly wrote me a song. And they come to me to the to right now today and ask me, mm-hmm. well, Paula, why did you do it? Why did I do it? Because he's an amazing writer. I know I was going to get a hit, and I got bills to pay. Are you going to write something for me? No. I have nothing to do remotely to do with his personal life and who he's screwing. That mm-hmm. has nothing to do with me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge myself because of his his personal appetite. That has nothing remotely to do with me. Mm-hmm. I, I, who am I to judge? I don't have a heaven or hell to put him in. But he's getting ready to be uh, an amazing song, you. and I'm about to make some millions of dollars, huh? They're going to throw on you the women supporting women thing. The women supporting women? Yeah. Yeah, that women, the me, we're talking about the Me Too movement? The Me Too movement? Oh, they're going to say that you should have, you know, because women need to stand together and blah, blah, blah. That's what they would have tried to guilt you with. Um, if you had said that. Yeah, well, that's yeah. fine. You could get me with it, but didn't the lady that started the Me Too movie get in trouble because she screwed some young dude? Hey, 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Go ahead. Next exactly. subject. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? With that being said, um, our boy Justice Molette, that was funny when they posted their mugshots. They were against the same uh, wall. They said the same jail, same judge. Um, and Iyama <laughs> Van Zandt, she made the comment. She compared Justice Molette to President Trump. She said, if he did, and he's talking about, she's talking about Jesse, if he did this, he didn't do, he did it at the core. What we do, or what we do every day, he told a lie. Now we can make it up, whatever we want to make up about it. But he told a lie the same way the leader of this country does every day. She was referencing the more than eight thousand lies or misleading statements that President Trump has made since taking office in January 2017 to get his way. He's, they say he's made up over eight thousand lies. She said, at the core, if Jesse did this, it means that he has some unheard, unspoken, unacknowledged pain. People in pain seek to get attention, she then said. She said, I've done it. I've lied to get my way. People do it every day. People do it in fear. People do it in pain and in anger. Instead of making this about him because he's on empire, let's make it about the fragility of who we are as human beings. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I, I totally agree with her. I mean, I I don't know why he did it. He he He's the only one that can answer that question of why mm-hmm. he did what he did. But at the end of the day, you made a mistake. You told a lie. We lie every day. Mm-hmm. People lie now, do every you think day. Things are coming out now that, <clears throat> like, the police people in Chicago had said the check was for the for – the, uh, for them to beat him up, and now the check was released, and it was in the memo that it was stated for personal training, which is what he said. So a lot of things are coming out now that may contradict the fact um, of what the people said in the news conference from the police department in Chicago. So suppose he's not. Right, and no. Do you think it's a possibility that he could be being framed, or perhaps he didn't do it? Yeah, he hasn't. And to my knowledge, it. he hasn't confessed to it. He's still saying that he's in it. He hasn't confessed to the situation. Right. I mean, I, I mean, he could be, I, I mean, he could be totally innocent. And the two guys that are, were just clever enough, and this is what I was thinking. I'm like, I bet you these guys did do it, but they were smart enough or clever enough or have somebody that to give them just to make up a brilliant story that, hey, why don't you just say so you won't go to jail that he pays you to do it? Why don't you just say that? I mean, it, mm. and this story has so many twists and turns to it. It's it just does. totally ridiculous. And it but does. why? I mean, you're a famous person. You're making millions of dollars. Why would you stoop to something so low to have to do that? What or unless it's for publicity for something else? You never, 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 never know. You know, mm. and we'll never know the story. I mean, this is something that he probably would take to his grave. But they probably did, because um, I'm not gonna pay you to beat me up. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to get a sock right. and put some lemons in it and beat my own self up. But you're not going to kick my ass and I'm going to pay for it. I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> right. You know, right. That's something I'm not yeah, that's what, that's, that's what got me, too. And to be such a, a pretty man, even though I think they only said he had, like, a black eye or something, he, I'm sure he told him, look, if he did it, I'm sure he said, look, don't do no, don't don't hit this face too bad. And I don't think he had yeah, any broken ribs or anything like that. So, and those guys. And the media made a right, and the media made a huge deal out of this. 
Donald Trump tweeted about it. I'm like, you don't have anything better to do than to tweet about that? That yeah. that made me a little nervous. And the thing of it is, the media has made a big, 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 big deal out of this. And I and yeah. I was wondering why so much attention was was focused on him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because he got assaulted, why so much attention? Mm-hmm. More so than yeah. anyone else, I felt. You understand what I mean? But again, you know, and then you know, Empire cut him out of the um, yeah the last the, the, the last two episodes. yeah yeah yeah. People say like uh, getting attention. He already had attention. You know, he's not like he's a washed out superstar. Uh, Then some people are saying it was about money. I'm not sure about that. But um, as far as like attention seeking, I don't think he needed any more attention. But he was looking for more attention. Um, He was already a celebrity in his own his own right. So we'll keep watching that as well. We'll keep watching that as well. But you know what? I'm a part of a Facebook group called Grown Talk. Grown folks talk or something like that. Um, and after our guest, I want to talk to you about because we only have like five more minutes left before our guest comes on. So I'm going to talk to you about this topic. But it was about um, it was a young lady who was engaged to get married, um, and evidently she has I don't think she mentioned what she had, but she has some type of a medical situation, and she gets assistance to pay for it. I guess she qualifies because she's single. But she's been dating somebody for a couple of years, and they're supposed to get married, or he's somebody wants to get married. Um, but she was saying that marrying this person, she would lose a lot of her benefits that she needs for her mm-hmm. medical thing. Um, but she didn't she didn't know what she should do because she said she was in love with the person and she wanted to get married. But um, we're not going to talk about that right now because it's going to take a lot of time. But after our guest. Um, we're going to talk about that. The question I want to bring to you right now is why is it so hard to find real love in today's society? That was something I saw in another group. Um, I can't relate to it. I found it. But why do you think it's so hard for some people to find real love in today's society? I think because... Do you think it's hard? Number I, one, let me ask you that. I, I mean... Grown people that have been in love know what love looks like. I, it looks like I already had this conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. The other day, they know what love looks like and they know what love feels like. Mm-hmm. However, being in love comes with so many responsibilities, expectations that and heartbreak that people don't want to really do it anymore. Um, everybody is so self-absorbed into themselves. Um, much more able to sustain themselves by themselves that um, love is not that important anymore. You know what I mean? Not like it used to be, like when people have been together for 30, 40, 50 years, it's not as important as it used to be. Monogamy is not that important anymore. And mm-hmm. being in love, is, I think more people are, I think people are getting more animalistic. You know, it's all about lust you know, feeling good, making me feel good, and then I'm out doing my own thing. This mm-hmm. is where the society is going. You know, the, um, commitment, especially the younger generation, what are the millennials, they're, they're not into, they're changing the whole vibe of what love looks like and what it feels like and what you, you know, the commitment. I don't have to be married to you. You know, we can be partners, you know, mm-hmm. and then if one of us gets tired of being with one another. We're out and no hard. And now it's like no hard feelings. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just moving on to the next person. So what do relationships really look like 
today. They don't look like what our parents' relationships used to look like. Mm-hmm. And that's that what I, was gonna say. I think there are so many options um, where before, you right. know, it was we're going to date and then we're going to get married. That's how it goes. But now you have what people who are in those polyamorous relationships, you have people who just side chicks, you have people, you, you know, you have so many options versus, you know, you meet somebody and then it's expected that you're working towards a relationship or a commitment. Um, I think, like you're saying, I, 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 go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't. No, go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. I no, I was saying. I think, um, like we were saying earlier, before it was it was pretty much the man who was running games, but now women and men both are, are running yeah. games. You know, yeah. And then women are running it hard because we we've been taught by the best teacher, which is the man, because mm-hmm. you know women are tired of getting their heart broken, they're tired of putting it you know, putting their all in there, their emotions and everything and getting fried. So, Mm -hmm. you know, women are safeguarding and putting up blocks to block their heart and their feelings. And and they're, they're, they're turning to ice princesses for the lack of, for another word I want to use, you know (laughs) what I mean? Because they are, they just are tired of the BS. I just got finished talking to my girlfriend. You know, I put my heart out there. I love you. You know, I'm going to be submissive to you. I'm going to do all of that. And you still turn around and stray, and you still turn around and give me the horizontal screw, and I've given you everything. Women are getting tired of that now. You see what I'm saying? I would just rather just tell me what it is, let me know, and I'll decide if I want to do that. But I talked to one of my friends. They said, Paula, we're not going to even do that. A man is not going to tell you that. That's what you women say that you want us to tell you. But when we tell you that, and we'll be like, okay, I told you what I wanted, can we have sex? I just want to have sex with you, and you will tell me no. I no. said, but you have right. to understand. You have to understand. She has the right to tell you no. But you, you're what, what you're saying in essence is that I'm gonna I'm gonna rob you from for, because this is what I want. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go through any means necessary to get you in the bed and to hit it. Period. This is what they told me. Anyway, if I have to tell you I love you, if I have to tell you this. I'm going to tell you all of that. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is that you get her emotionally connected to you because you're being selfish and you just want to hit it. Then you find yourself on a struggle bus. But the thing of it is, is that with options, I talked to one of our friends, a mutual friend that we have, and mm-hmm. he was saying the reason why things are, are the way they are is that because men have too many options. If they dummy down their options, then they'll really find out the person that they're really in love with. But the more options they have, the less commit commitment they have to any woman or the woman that they really want to be with. They're not going to be committed to anybody because they have so many options. And that and that's the going thing. Everybody has options. Well, that's now. the thing with, that's not just men, that's women too. Women have options nowadays. Well, he said, especially he said, with the strong well, independent women that are, you know, that's, that's around today. You know, it's not just men doing that. It's also women, I think. Well, I know. But still, Right, but still men have the advantage because I was telling my my male friend, I was like, the problem with women, me too, I was the same way, is that once mm-hmm. a woman gets fixated on one man, that's it. It could be a million men that pass her, million men that pass her by, fine as whatever. She's not paying attention to that guy, those men at all. She's fixated on that one man. What we have to realize is that we have to start thinking like men. You know, there's a lot of women out here, but we forget that there's a lot of men out here because we're only fixated on that one man. There's a lot of mothers out here that had lots and lots and lots of sons, 
you know. But, again, if we go out and do all that stuff, we're always labeled. You know, she's a hoe, she's this, she's asleep with this and this and this amount of people. But she's just trying mm-hmm. to fill out her options. Why can't I have options like you have options? Yeah. We're going to have to talk about that after our guest. Yeah, I, I, yeah we're gonna I, I, I'm not going to understand, but I, I'm following you. I'm following you, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit after our guest. But um, our guest is here, Mr. John Gray. He is on a mission to help like-minded, married-with-children, small business owner men restore their lives to radical, clean happiness and help others do the same. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to be back with Mr. John Gray. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. She could have been your daughter, your sister, your friend. On a cold autumn day, 19-year-old Arlen decided to end her life. She tucked a tiny stuffed rabbit into one pocket and a suicide note in the other. She said she wanted to be with her baby. Her friend said she didn't want the abortion. Most women don't. Over 60% involve coercion. They say the worst part of the pain is that there's no one to share it with. Learn more about unwanted abortions and how to help or find help at theunchoice.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Neo for Life Beat. The music industry fights AIDS. When you're drunk or high, all you want to think about is what feels good. But think about this. Two Americans under the age of 21 are infected with HIV every hour of every day. Don't become another statistic. Use protection. To learn more about HIV and AIDS, go on to www.lifebeat.org. Respect yourself. Protect yourself. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So what if you could get rid of those reappearing issues that haunt your life, no matter what you do, and achieve your vision of the future faster? Our guest tonight, John Gray, is here to share his message, Don't Just Clean Your Life, Restore It. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. John Gray. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So I, I like your top, I like your story. Actually, you're the founder of Done Right Carpet Care, and you're also the author of Stop Spot Cleaning Your Life. Um, and you actually have this this correlation between carpet cleaning and then spot cleaning your life. So I want to first ask you, because I guess your situation or the the reason that you um, are for this particular demographic is that you yourself are a small business owner that's married with small children, because I know that you gear this message towards them. Is that your reason for that? Yeah, well, pretty much. I mean, the reason why is because I feel like the small business owner with the family and the children is is definitely my heart because there's so much devastation because of divorce and just broken families, and I feel like the reappearing spots is what leads to all of that devastation. So if we could prevent it, correct it, and restore it, then why not help out families and small business owners that are like myself? 
Absolutely. Paula. Yeah. I'm sorry, my phone face. How are you? <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good. I'm sorry, my um, my phone fed. I apologize. Welcome to the That's show. Okay. My name is Paula B. Okay. And hi, what Paula. barriers have you? Hi. And uh, my question for you is, what barriers have you faced, and how did you overcome them? Oh my lord. Well, my parents divorced when <laughs> I was about ten, and I got abandoned at an orphanage when I was about eleven and a half. And when I was 13, my dad comes over and says, you know, I'm sick, boys. And a year and a half later, when I'm about 15 and a half, he dies from stage four cancer. And fast mm. forward, I, after that, I just, I, I come from a real dysfunctional um, and colorful past. So I didn't mm-hmm. really know how to, to deal or cope with those feelings of grief and, and loss. So because I wasn't able to be heard at my home, it was more so you were kind of seen, not heard type of thing. I decided right. to uh-huh. have friends that weren't really uh, in alignment with what my my mom thought was good. And so I went off on a bad track and, you know, started substance abusing. And it was just a downward spiral from there. So after about five years of that, I realized, you know what, I want to be happy. And I was in and out of the justice system. And I didn't want to become institutionalized. And I thought to myself, how can I stay out of the system and, and do better? So I got married. And the thing is, is I was still a substance abuser. And mm-hmm. my wife, she had issues as well. So the marriage just grew toxic. And, and then we have our baby girl. And, and she takes joy all the way and fills me up. But it just didn't take root in, in the marriage ended in divorce and I got to tell you that that pain was was worse than my parents divorce and my dad's cancer and death combined I and and that's pretty much the barriers that I've been through that just killed me but how I got through them is I'm I'm very fortunate to be an overcomer just naturally it's not like it's like not what I do it's more so who I am I can't not do it and I, I pushed through all of that and just kind of instead of dealing with my thoughts and feelings just kind of swept them under the rug if you will until they just kind of keep uh-huh. coming back every once in a while to haunt me so okay so you you, you had this very deep dark past you, you as, a, as a youth um, you were in foster care in the, the orphanage and then you went through a marriage that failed. What, what, I mean, how did you pull yourself out of it? I understand you had that internal drive to get out of it, but did you have to go through like therapy? What was your what was your your resource for pulling yourself out of that? Well, initially, you know, after the divorce and and the pain of not seeing my little girl, it was just it was unbearable. And I was raised Catholic. And mm-hmm. I thought back to those days. I'm like, okay, you know what? I remember being an altar boy and going to church and seeing all these cute girls and all that. And life wasn't that bad. And this was prior to, you know, my dad getting sick and all that. And I thought, okay, if, if I was okay then, maybe God could help me now. And I said, I'm like, God, check this out. If you know anything about happiness, 
then why don't you show me? Because I really don't know what it is or feels like, but I know once I find it, I'll mm-hmm. know I have it. And right. I kid you not, man, that next day, I, I was listening to these teaching tapes that my mommy got me like years ago and said, you got to listen to these. I finally listened to them years later. And this lady was telling, you know, on the tapes, she's like, what, what God did for me, he can do for you. And she had been through the ringer on me bad. And I said, okay, I'm going to, I asked God into my heart and, and right then, man, I just felt like just relief. I felt lighter. I felt, I actually felt like I had a purpose, like a destiny that I couldn't even imagine. I was just so excited, but I couldn't articulate it. And that kind of bugged me, but it helped me to just kind of get through that pain and, and be kind of a normal slash good dad, even though I wasn't a part of my girl's everyday life. You know, I saw her every weekend, but that was tough. But I focused my energy on building my business, and I ended up going to a couple of different seminars for marketing and built it up to a multiple six-figure business pretty fast. And wow. long story short, I realized that the carpet industry was going downhill because repeat carpet sales were kind of declining very much. And that was affecting my business as a carpet cleaner. So what I did is I basically interviewed hundreds of my clients. I've been in business over 25 years and hundreds of consumers to find out what, what the heck, why are they going to these hard surface floors? Turns out they get a spot and spot clean it. The spot reappears, and they stay in this pattern until it ends the carpet's life in early replacement. And how that relates to life, it's the same thing I've found with my marriages. One spot that goes away and then comes back bigger and darker, and then you stay in that spot cleaning cycle until your life or your marriage looks like it's been soiled and spot cleaned one too many times and ends in replacement. Mm. Wonderful mm. analogy. That, yeah, that was wonderful. Analogy. Yeah. yeah, it's in a great yeah, analogy. analogy. But what I wanted to know but, is what causes issues for the past to reappear? Just like, you know, you spot clean and I'm thinking I got the spot out and then here it comes again. I can never get it out. Okay, well, you thought that was good. Just get ready for this. So... <laughs> I teach this the way I learned it, okay? And I learned it through my patent-pending carpet cleaning process that prevents, corrects, and restores these reappearing spots on carpet, okay? So what happens, let's say you use a spot cleaner on a spot, on a carpet. It goes away. It comes back. And then you think, my gosh, that's a stubborn spot. So what do most consumers do? Oh, they get something stronger. Like, okay, resolve didn't work. I'm going to use some OxyClean. And they use OxyClean. Spray it down, agitate it. It comes back again. Bigger and darker this time and faster. So what do they do? They say, oh, wow, maybe this carpet is defective. And they hire a carpet cleaner, a professional carpet cleaner. Carpet cleaner goes out there. Sam, I need this really deep clean this carpet and it's going to run you like $997, but you're going to be happy. And the carpet turns out really good. It looks great. All the spots are gone. But then 
Like eight weeks later, the same spots start coming back. The carpet starts looking dingy overall now. And then you feel it, and it feels kind of crunchy and sticky, and you think, oh, my gosh, my carpet's ruined. It's the same thing with life. You get a spot, the smallest spot on your life. It could, it could be one of those things that just keeps coming back no matter what you do. Like, for example, leaving the toilet seat up. I remember leaving the toilet seat up one time and, and never doing that again. I said, sorry, I didn't mean to do it, but I kid you not, five years later, that would be brought up in my face, but I hadn't done it, and I didn't know how to get rid of those stains. That, if that's not enough, that dirty sock, a dirty sock not in the hamper on the floor, that being brought up three years later, but bigger and darker, it goes from that sock to that toilet seat to a bill that I forgot to pay to bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? It does. And well, yeah. well, I, so why so here's really the good of them then? Yeah, well, here's yeah, the thing. So when that spot reappears like the dirty sock or the darn toilet seat, what happens? To me, oh my gosh, I'm... I automatically think I'm being accused of something I didn't do because that was a long time ago. I always resolved it by saying, sorry. So because it gets brought up again, I get even more mad. It's just how I am. And then I lash out and I say, well, shoot, I took care of it. What's your problem? You need to get over it. And that was like my way of spot cleaning it to make it go away with a little bit more stronger spot cleaning so what makes it go away is a different process, a different model to follow, a cleaning model, because your cleaning model in, in life, it, it really, really matters. So the first step is awareness, because what you don't understand is that that spot cleaning is creating those reappearing issues to come back. And what needs to happen is accountability. You need to be aware of those thoughts and feelings that are triggered by those spots because then you're going to be able to take accountability for those thoughts and feelings and not react. And you'll be ready for step number three, which is aligned action. So instead of getting angry, because I'm aware of my feelings and my thoughts, I can be accountable for them. And aligned action would be to say to my mom or significant other, I realize, I understand that I did leave my sock on the floor at one time. I made a mistake. It won't happen again. And I take full responsibility for that. So when you do that, is that becoming vulnerable to the situation? What it's, is that accomplishing? Well, the thing is, aligned action, mm-hmm. in the past, I would say, I'm sorry, or I would blame, or I would make an excuse. Ah, okay. Okay. So ownership. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, now we get to the good stuff. So the aligned action makes that, it, it go, makes that spot go away, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the spot comes back again. 
but this time a little lighter, and it takes longer. So what do you do then? This is where my carpet cleaning process and my life cleaning process is completely unique, and you'll hear this nowhere else. So step four is adoration. And what adoration is, is see, when the carpet, to the untrained eyes of consumers and 99% of carpet cleaning company technicians, they're going to go and they're going to see that reappearing spot and they're going to spray it down and they're going to agitate it and they're going to deep clean it. But the thing is, is what they don't realize is they are cleaning with soap soap that has wicked the surface my company and my technique my trained eyes know that's not a regular spot that is a spot caused from residue that has wicked from the surface due to past spot cleanings so we do a special restorative cleaning so that we can address the fiber of the carpet from the top down to the bottom up. And that way the spot gets corrected and it doesn't come back. Now with life adoration, what's that water that is going to rinse my life? It's that unconditional love. And when that spot comes back, now, now that my trained eyes know it's not a spot that I recently did, it's from the past, it's wicking to the surface. I go through that process again. I'm aware, I'm aware that this is not a spot. This is residue that is wicked to the surface. Now I can be accountable for my thoughts and feelings. I can disconnect from that spot and focus on aligned action by not reacting. And what aligned action is, is in this point, I'm going to say something like, wow, my past stupid, selfish decisions really put us in a bad spot, honey. You know, I, I made some bad decisions, but I'm working on it. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to correct it and restore it. And I'm not going to leave you. I promise I'm going to stick by your side and I am going to love you right where you are. As angry and pissed and disappointed as you are. Mm -hmm. And then step number five is acceptance. We as human beings, we have to accept that we are not perfect. We make mistakes. Spots happen and we spot clean. And because we spot clean, Residue happens. Residue works. And we have to accept residue spots, and we have to accept the restorative cleaning process that restores everything because your cleaning process, your cleaning model matters so much. It's determining whether you're going to stay blocked or if you're going to restore. When those, that, that, was that residue, yeah, when that residue rises back to the surface, you can finally deal with it so you don't have to worry about that again. Correct. And, and here's sense. the thing. So here's the thing. Depending upon how many times I've spot cleaned a particular spot, that is what determines how many steps and cycles of wicking that the residue has to go through. Right. Exactly. Okay. So... 
what what I feel what I is feel that because I spot cleaned for so darn long, long, it took, it and took, because I pioneered this kind of path through this carpet cleaning model, I feel that people that have this system and and have the training behind the foundational piece of the blueprint can restore their life 10 times faster than I ever did. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And, 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 and the result is radical clean happiness. I kid you not. People think that's kind of far-fetched, but it is radical clean happiness. Now check this out. What I didn't mention is that this same process will heal like relational, emotional, financial wounds from the past. Okay, mm-hmm. check this out. Can I? Do I have time to show one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so I have these these really emotional and uh, relational and psychological stains and traffic lanes on my life carpet, like like my parents' divorce, like my divorce, and not seeing my baby girl, like being abandoned and and everything that I had talked about, right? Right. So now, so so what do I do now? I say. John, I, now I talk to my younger self and I say, John, you know what? I'm aware that we went through a lot of crap in our life, a lot of darkness. And John, I'm aware that I made some bad choices. And I'm also aware that I stayed in a cycle that put us through a lot of help. But here's the thing. I have a new goal now. My goal is not to be happy. My goal is not to be clean. My goal transcends all of that. And it's for you, and it's for my present self, and it's for everybody else. And I promise you, younger John, I am not going to mess up. And I promise you, I love you. I'm not going to give up. And I accept this system. I'm going to follow it for you because I owe it to you to restore our life and to show other people how to do the same thing. And then I have my younger self say that to all to my present self. Right. And that's how I restore these spots, man. And it's like, it's so, it's so like cleansing and detoxifying and restoring restorative i mean oh my gosh i just can't even tell you how how amazingly healthy and good it feels to be at ease with my past mm-hmm. and looking forward to the future exactly, exactly. because of the yeah, process I, I, I love that i mean you you can um look back at your past but you know, going forward, I really look forward to my future. And, John, what I wanted to ask you is where can the audience learn to get more information? And get they can go to johnwilliamgray.com, and there is uh, my actual self-restoration breakthrough blueprint that they can look at and follow. And, gosh, if they have any questions, I would love to talk to them and whatever I can do to help somebody restore a spot or their entire life. Okay. Well, is, I, I just, is the book up there as well? I'm sorry. Is the book up there as well where they can get it? The book is not there, but if they want to search Stop Spot Cleaning Your Life, it'll come right up and okay. they can have access to the book. Awesome. 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 Well, John, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing how we can stop spot cleaning our life and, and do like you said and 
get that full restoration so that we can have a better future. So I want to thank you for taking time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. And hopefully you'll come back in the future. Oh, hey, man, it would be my pleasure, and it's my honor to just sit here and talk to you. I'm so happy to even be alive. My goodness gracious. Hey, man, I know that's right. So I see that faith, just like with myself and with Paula, helped get you through that. So that's good. Good. Good to hear. Yes, indeed, man. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. Thanks, John. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) All right. So we're going to stop spotting. That's good because if we don't really deal with those situations, and we both experience, you know, situations keep arising. Yeah. Like he was relating that to the residue that keeps rising up um, from those situations. So I'm glad we can finally get those things fully restored so we don't have to deal with it again. But back right. there, um, to that situation where I was telling you about where she was um, – the issue with she's going to get, she wants to get married. She has these issues. I guess the benefits of um, remain being single, or whatever, may be um, interrupted, if you will, by getting married. So I want to ask you the question: What's the difference between marriage, a, mar- a marriage, and a lifetime partnership? Is there a bit? Is there a difference? What's the difference that you see? I mean, especially I mean, in her I situation. Well, in her situation, it's different. If I was in her situation and I was in love and I wanted to be married, however, I knew that it would cost, it's going to be costly to me, that I'm going to lose out on some benefits that my significant other could not um, provide me. Now, if you could provide me, if I'm going to lose, if I'm not going to take a loss, and we're talking about health benefits, I'll just say health benefits. And now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take a loss, and I'm not. It's not going to be restored. Then I would rather uh, be in a union together, but not legally married. We can still live together and 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 do all the things that a married couple does, and still have the benefits that I need to sustain myself. If I was with a spouse and they disagreed with that, or they would, they said to me, well. That means you doesn't you don't love me because you don't want to. Ma- that's more important that you don't want to marry me because you're going to lose your benefits. Then I'm going to question you and say, how much do you really love me? Because you know these things are important and I need them to, to sustain myself, and you cannot provide them for me. So you may rather me marry you and give that up, and then God forbid, six months later. Our marriage doesn't work. So I'm totally out back. I don't have a husband, wife, or whatever, and I lost my benefits. Well, do, don't you – do you think – because she said um, in a lifetime partnership, which I guess is – well, I don't know what a lifetime partnership is. Do, do you think that is less um, significant than the the term marriage? No, I do not think that that's less less significant because there's people that I've known that have lived together for 40 years, never got married, never got married, but their relationship was amazing. And it was you would thought that they were a married couple, but they decided they didn't need to get married. They didn't need that paper to, to make it legal because in their heart of hearts, they were joined together. So it just depends on where you are in your relationship how strong it is, how committed it is. Because at the end of the day, you don't need to stand in front of anybody to take vows to, 
to be committed to one another. If I'm going to be committed to you, damn it, I'm going to be committed to you. I don't need to stand in front of a preacher or anything because there's people that have been dating and been in a relationship for over 20 years, never got married, but they're committed to one another, ride or die. Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. Ride or die. So, so the, is, is my thing of it is, is that how important am I to you and the things that I need to sustain myself, and are you mm-hmm. going to hold me hostage because I decided to take my benefits that really, things that I really need because if I don't have it, I'm not going to be able to get my medicine to marry you. That, mm-hmm. That's going to be my question. That's interesting. Okay. Whenever because I hear I the word like, lifetime partnership, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out because I know a lot of people um, like millennials in particular. I read an article like a long time ago when we did the show from ODU. I was saying that millennials are choosing not to get married. The marriage rate amongst that demographic was down. So a lot of people were going towards these lifetime partnerships and they were saying my life partner or whatever. Um, but I guess because of my age group, when I see the word marriage, I just think it's a little bit more significant than somebody saying my lifetime partnership. Um, so. I, me personally, the way I think is no different. I think that people say you just want to be a lifetime partner and not commit. So if you get tired of me, it's easy for you to leave. Mm-hmm. That that isn't for me. If you're married and you don't want to be bothered with me, you're gonna leave me anyway. <laughs> true. So what difference yeah. does it make? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And is that, if you're gonna leave, you're gonna leave. True. You know what I mean? If we're gonna work it out, I guess the, the married, commitment's not in the title. The commitment's not in the title. Exactly. The commitment right. is not in the, in the title. And these mm-hmm. days, people are not as apt to commit because they want their freedom. They want to do what they want to do when they get ready. Mm-hmm. And the thing of it is, the bottom line for me in this particular issue is how much do you really care about me to make me to, to make me feel guilty to marry you um, and lose what I need to sustain myself just for us to be together? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to question my relationship with you. I'm going to question how you feel about me. Because why would you want me to give that up? Mm-hmm. And you okay. know that you can't. You can't. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? You can't supplement. Uh, That's the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I okay. Well, if that was the issue, then that would be okay, right? But if I have to take a loss, then right. Right. Okay. Well, I just You're have one more thing. One more mm-hmm. thing. Okay. So. I read this and I was kind of alarmed. I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's valid, but the, the quote said, statistics showed that black women make up about 70% of unwed mothers, while white women are at 23%. I want to ask you, you know, what do you feel are the causes of this drastic difference? Do you agree with that? Have you seen that? Number one, and then what do you feel are the reasons that black women make up 70% of unwed mothers? while white women are only at 23%. Now, the statistics I'm not sure about, but I feel as though as unwed as black women, I, I mean, it, it is it is high. You know, there's a lot of black mm-hmm. women that are unwed mothers because I think it's a generational thing 
because mm. I'm just going to use my family. I'm going to give mm-hmm. you a real life story. Like mm-hmm. my my um, aunts, they were married, but they they had uh, kids, but they raised their kids by themselves. So here comes my cousin. They all have babies out of wedlock. They don't get married at all. You see what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. a whole generational thing. And the thing of it is, is like it's okay for you to get pregnant and not be married because mm-hmm. that is not what it looks like. You know, that's not the picture that was painted for you or the or the the lifestyle that you were bred it into. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, right. like my mom, she, she when she got pre- she got pregnant with me before she got married. But mm-hmm. she got married. She married my dad nine times out of ten because she was pregnant, you know, and that happened back then. But today, you know, these girls are getting pregnant and not being married, and they know that, you know, they can rely on a system to take care of them, and it's okay. You know, some of it is just a money-making thing, and some of it is just, hey, I, it happened. I got to figure out how to take my baby, take care of my baby without a man. And then nine right. times out of ten, a lot of the dudes dip once they find out the girl's pregnant because they don't want the responsibility. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You're right. You're right. Well, Paula, time. It's our time. Yes? Sure went by really fast. Thank you, Boo, for coming yes, on. I'm going to figure out a way to get, I'm gonna have to find out a way to get you on payroll so you can be here with me every week. I enjoy the show yeah, so I much mean, better yeah, than you here. Yeah. Yeah. The check is in the mail. <laughs> I have so much fun. We have the best time ever. Yeah, we had a good time um, this weekend as well. We had our line dance situation. Check us out on Facebook. Um, that was good. That was good. So I want to thank was, you for I always, always bringing sunshine to the occasion. I appreciate that so much. You're welcome. Okay. You are welcome. Well, well, I guess until next time, and take care of those fingers, honey. I want you to get yeah, well. Yeah, I too. know. I'm starting to feel it now, so I have to go take a Tylenol. It's, the anesthesia is wearing off, so I'm starting to feel it. But thank you so much for okay. coming on the show. Okay. Everybody, make sure that you tune in. Um, we're actually going to be starting next week, the second half, the last half of this season, which will be ending, I believe, May, the first week in May. But um, we'll be starting the second half, all new guests, um, starting next Tuesday. No, I'm sorry. There will be no show next Tuesday. I'll be in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., so there will be a repeat show for next next Saturday, next Tuesday. I'm not sure what show and it I'm, will be. I, Go ahead. You are t- what did you say? I just want I just wanted to say that I'm so excited about you going on Capitol Hill. I'm so proud of you. Um, you are an ambassador for the Kidney Foundation. You do amazing things. I am so so super dope. I'm so proud of you, Will. Thank you. I got my thing. I'll be having a personal meeting with um, Elaine Lurea, with uh, Mark Warner, with Tim Kaine, and I think we have 15 minutes in their office to talk to them about the initiatives for um, people with kidney disease and with transplant. We're going to talk to them about um, extending the Medicare coverage for three years, because that's all you get is three years worth of medical coverage for your medicine uh, when you need it for the life of the kidney. If you stop taking it, you lose your kidney. And we're going to talk to them about a couple of other initiatives that we're um, we're trying to get past that we need their help for. So it's going to be an intense 
day, I think we'll be on Capitol Hill walking from the House of Representatives to the Senate, which is a great distance um, from 9 o'clock in the morning to 7.30 at night on Tuesday. Um, it's going to be like, uh, I think, like 100 of us out there walking, chosen from all 50 states, um, and we'll be out there walking. So wish me luck, and I'll talk about it next, the following Tuesday when I get back. Yeah, well, go Paul. make history. Yeah, You're thank welcome. you, baby. I appreciate it. Have a good night, everybody, and we'll talk you to you. Too. Love you. Uh, Tuesday after next. Good night. Okay. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 